Okay. Well, it's good to welcome you to our episode four of Talk with TT. And I'm really delighted to introduce you to uh, a vivacious lady who is part of the Colchester Baptist Church congregation. It's Gillian uh, Driver. And welcome, Gillian. It's good to have you with us. Good morning, Terry. It's lovely to join you. Thank you for inviting me this morning. It's great. It's great to see you as well. I know our listeners won't see you, but... Um, yeah, thank you for making this time. And it's been really interesting for me talking with uh, different members of the church and their story. And what struck me is, is how each of our stories uh, is precious and how God has encountered us. And, and it's great uh, preparing this with you. So you are not an Essex girl, are you? I'm not. I'm really proud to say that to people. Um, I'm actually, a, I think, a Kentish maid or a maid of Kent, depending on which side of the river. I think it's a Kentish maid. So, yes, I was, I was uh, born in a little village just outside Dover. Um, okay. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, an idyllic... Sorry. Was it really? Was it an idyllic upbringing? It was. It was. Um, my parents live in the same house. They they had that built. It will be sixty years ago um, next year. Wow. And yeah, and it's got a huge garden. Um, I was a real tomboy, so I was always running around. Um, my brother, who's just eighteen months older than me, I was always uh, playing with him. And yeah, it was a it was a lovely um, countryside upbringing. I was always just you know running around in the fresh air getting grubby apparently and chasing all the animals and my parents had a bit of a small holding different different sort of pets and things and uh, yeah yeah I'm a I'm a real country girl and if if those people who don't know you could see you now you're very well turned out um, <laughs> <laughs> not the kind of tomboy scruffy image that one would think so so you went you. to to the local primary school is that right I did. I went to a, a very a tiny little primary school um, in the middle of nowhere, really. And uh, it was about three miles from where I lived. And it was a Church of England school. And that strong Christian influence was there, not only in my parents' home, in my home, but right from the, from the start at school, we always had assembly and prayers and, you know, grace at, at mealtime. So it was, yeah, that, that oh, influence was there right from the start. It was a very small primary school, just barely 90 children. So it was, it was beautiful. It was just yeah. surrounded by fields and it was yeah. lovely. And uh, you then went to a grammar school, didn't you? I did. Um, I didn't initially. I went to the um, secondary modern and um, was quite a high flyer there. So um, I remember just going into the headmaster's office one day and he said, oh, you're, you've done really well. Well done. Um, I'd completed my first year, which would be equivalent to like year seven um, in today's terms, but year one for us. And uh, he said, um, if you'd like, we're transfer you over to the local girls grammar school and I sort of said oh yes please and and that was my education then until I completed my A-levels I must say I found it quite quite tough it was yeah. it was very competitive all the girls some of my peers were were very very clever very academic I had probably was a mixture of yeah a little academic but quite practical as well I would say yeah. I'm a person that has strengths and weaknesses in, in in subjects i'm hopeless at maths i'm um <laughs> so yeah 
That's good. And what did you do your A-levels in? What subjects? So my A-levels were, um, because I, I knew I was going into nursing, um, I did biology, which I did find really, really difficult. I'm not naturally a, 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 um, a, a scientist. Um, I prefer the humanities. And I did music and I did religious studies as well. Mm. which was which was great so um yeah i studied a fair bit of the bible um yeah and at a levels you know it was it was great there was only two of us in the class so it was it was like private tuition really it was it yeah. was fantastic yeah and then after school where did you go what so where did you my, study mm. yeah so after my after my a levels so yeah. um yeah yeah so i i've I felt a strong calling to um, to go into nursing, so um, I started applying, and um, I did apply to some hospitals fairly local to, to me in Kent. But I also um, went further afield, and I, I applied to um, some of the London hospitals, and uh, I went for an interview at King's College Hospital in, um, and it yeah they offered me a place i i felt that it was a really friendly lovely hospital and um so in september 1985 i uh went off to to the big city which was yeah, yeah it was quite a shock from being a yeah you know coming from a really small village and being a real country girl it was yeah. quite a shock yeah let's let's um take a sidestep now and uh we're in 2020 and we have the coronavirus pandemic um yeah. how how has life uh changed for you uh because of the covid-19 personally professionally yeah um well i think like everybody um personally first um yeah i'm really missing um not being able to meet family i'm quite a physical huggy sort of person so i'm really missing those those hugs from people and mm. um, just missing not having you know meeting up with mum and dad and my brothers and sisters um mm. and also i meet up with a a, a friend locally sally for, for prayer time and you know we'll, we'll miss that as well you know yeah. i know we can talk um via the social media but there's nothing like sort of sitting down over a cup of tea face to face at, at, at the kitchen table so yeah i'm missing that um and for work yeah i feel very blessed to be able to still go to work and there's a key worker um at one of the local surgeries it's vastly different my day to what would normally be um i suppose i have felt fairly safe there where the doors locked we're almost like contained in a little sealed bubble at the moment um we're getting busier i'm i have seen patients um but the the day isn't the the usual sort of norm yeah and a lot of the routine work has been sort of pushed back so do you wear ppe so you've got a, a gown on gloves mask when you're seeing patients I have PPE. Um, I do. I don't. When we see the PPE on on the television screens, where the um, doctors and nurses are working, particularly with the COVID patients, obviously they're in full gowns. For me, um, yes, I, I can. I wear goggles, and I've also got a good filter mask, and we wear plastic aprons and, and gloves, or we can have um, a shield over our face. But yes, it's uh, it's. Is that strange for you? because you know you're behind a mask yeah it is it is i mean i think for 
for me, I've got quite used to it. I, yeah. I almost can't imagine what it's going to be like going back yeah. to not wearing a mask. I think for the patients, it's been fairly scary. I mean, coming for blood tests and things like that is quite scary in itself anyway. And when you suddenly come in and, and somebody's all gowned up and they've got a yeah. mask on and goggles, um, yeah. yeah, it can be quite yeah. scary. Um, and a lot of the patients I'm just seeing now, they, they haven't been out, some of them, for 11, 12 weeks. So mm. it can be quite daunting for them. We, we don't know when this sort of social distancing and lockdown in its fullest extent is going to end. Um, but what, what are you, what are you savouring up? What are you really looking forward to apart from hugging those friends and, and being with your dear friend to pray in a close proximity? What, what, what are you really looking forward to? Have you got a kind of a to-do list? when, when you um, well, it'll be nice to go out shopping. I'm, I'm gonna, I wouldn't call myself a I wouldn't call myself a shopaholic, but I have really missed going out and just okay, having a little yeah, browse yeah. around. Um, I certainly need to, to go and have a good haircut because it's an absolute mess. Your hair's looking great. It's really Thank good. Thank you. It's it's yeah. pretty it's pretty wild at the moment. <laughs> it does so. look. Okay. Thank you. Um, and just yeah, just getting back to a bit of normality, putting yeah. on some nice clothes, makeup, going out, and just yeah. sort of yeah, yeah, just going out and having a um you know perhaps going down to the beach or just having yeah. a nice walk with you know with friends but yeah that's good that's good great now you talked about uh when you left school about your vocation your calling to mm. be a nurse tell us a bit about where did that come from that call how did you work that out well i i think i've had a few jobs or careers that i would have sort of perhaps gone down the route and that was from a hairdresser to being a policewoman to um, ideally from when I was about 13, 14, I, I would have said I wanted to be a nanny. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, the, the concept of a, being one of those Norlands nannies. I mean, I've always loved children and um, yeah, I've, I've, I've always, I'm a people person. I've always liked caring and um, I think it was more probably when I was about sort of 17, I, I sort of started to think more about sort of nursing and how it would suit me and, you know, and my abilities in life. And I thought, yeah, I, I really felt that God was saying, this is the job for you. Yeah. So yeah. it sort that's, of stemmed from there, really. That's terrific. So yeah. once you, you qualified uh, at King's College Hospital, mm. um, where where did you go from there in terms of work? Well, I trained for three and a half years. So um, I qualified at the end of 1988. And by 1989, I, I, I'd done six months on a, on a renal ward. But during my training, often us nurses would know, you know, what we wanted to specialise in. Some didn't. Some just went straight back on, on to just the general nursing side. Well, for me... My speciality, which I absolutely loved, was midwifery. Oh, so yeah. once I'd done six months of general um, post-registration training, mm. I, I realised, I just knew that midwifery was for me. I absolutely loved it. It was my forte. I, I, was, I was just comfortable with it and absolutely loved it when I was a student nurse. So um, I went back. I'd left King's in May 89 and then I went back home just for six months to fill in and did some private nursing there. And then um, I'd already applied for uh, my 
to do midwifery. And at that point, I suppose this is where I, I was always already in a relationship with Graham. We were going out. We, we got engaged in, in May in, in the summer of '89. So yeah. it was it was, and I thought, where where should we, you know, do our where should I do my training? So yeah. house prices were pretty expensive where Graham lived. We were looking sort of Cambridge, Ipswich area, but. I looked a bit further afield and I thought, do you know what, I think I'll take the plunge. I knew nothing of the Midlands really, other than my sister living in Leicestershire. And yeah. I looked at this um, hospital address and it, it was quite random really. And I thought, hmm, I think I, I, I quite fancy going there. And I just went up for an interview. Graham um, was looking where to do his degree and he got offered a place at Leicester. Yeah. So, um, we ended up moving to the Midlands and in November 1989, I started my midwifery training in Mansfield in North Nottinghamshire. Wow. Yeah. So, did you pick up any accent from Nottinghamshire? Graham would say I did. And I think I did. We were nearly there six years. Um, so I, yeah, I've been, because I worked in the community a lot with the mums, it's, um, yeah. as you probably know, Mansfield's very much a mining area. And I, yes, I, I really picked up um, some of the lingo, whereas Graham didn't. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. Um, and then um, uh, you talked about your real heart for midwifery. Why yeah. did you do the training for that? I actually did. I actually so I actually trained um, in Mansfield yeah. um, at, at the hospital there. So yeah. that that was an eighteen month course. Yeah. Um, I got married halfway through my training. So by nineteen ninety, we just settled into our first home. I was halfway through the training, yeah. and then I qualified in um, May ninety ninety one. So yeah. Um, and. And then in terms of professionally, what have been the highlights and the challenges and changes in mm. your career? Yeah, and um, probably from the midwifery point of view, I've absolutely, that was, that was my real heyday, if you like. That was, I absolutely loved um, the maternity side. I loved being out on the community. I loved working with the mums. I had a wonderful Christian community midwife. So we had a mixture of working on the wards. You know, you weren't just delivering babies. We, 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 we saw the mum from when she first booked with her pregnancy right the way through till after the baby was born. And yeah, it was just, it's just such a privilege and a blessing to, you know, yeah. work with with new life and bring new life into the world and care for the mums and I would say those first four years of married life and training as a midwife and then post-training absolutely loved. Oh that's absolutely. lovely. That's if I great. could do it all again I would. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you then moved um, to Essex didn't you at some point? We did. Um, we had Benjamin was born our first son in 1994 and um, you know it was quite a long way to travel back down to see the parents Graham's parents were in Ipswich and mine were in Kent so it was a good four-hour journey and we thought well it will probably be quite nice now we're a bit more established we've got our first home but we think it's time to move back down sort of near a the south so in um graham applied started applying for jobs and he actually moved on before me he he actually took a job in um 
September 95 and uh, I was on my own for a few months up in Mansfield Graham just came back at weekends but eventually a few months later we we moved down here and we had a house uh, uh, that we rented in Great Bromley that we we moved into at the Christmas of 1995 yeah. and there was was born a new era and um yeah and a new area and we were happy to be sort of nearer you know the grandparents so yeah, yeah. That's great. That's great. And um, you you then worked um, with Janet in midwifery. Is that right? I did. I did. I um, events sort of happened all quite quickly. I mean, the first month of um, moving, I discovered I was expecting our second baby, which was, you know, it was quite a shock, but we were happy. And I had just started um, to do a few agency shifts at what was then the old Colchester Maternity Home at Lexton yeah. Road. That yeah. was the maternity home. So I worked with um, Janet and uh, yeah, it was, um, it was a tough few six months because I had a, you know, the pregnancy wasn't going well. I had lots of problems and I, I was really quite poorly, um, mm. but I was still trying to work. Um, yeah. Yeah. and yeah so okay. yeah and then then the move professionally into general practice is uh in uh, a gp surgery is that right is that the next step you took yes well i um i i worked as a midwife from when as i say when we moved in 95 and i actually worked through right through to 2004 mm -hmm. um and by then i'd i'd got i'd had thomas um in 1997 and then I had Joseph in 2001. Now I worked as a, as a midwife up until 2004 um, but then life was get, getting quite a challenge with bringing the children up and Graham was working away a, a, a fair bit and we hadn't really got family nearby so I actually took it was a, a you know a, a conscious decision to to, to come out of, of the profession yeah. And uh, I stayed at home for six years and, and became a full-time mum, which Terrific. I absolutely loved. And yeah. I've never regretted it. I mean, it was, it was, yeah, yeah it was, it, it was great to just to yeah. be able to relax. And well, I, I wouldn't say it was probably relaxing bringing three boys up, but uh, <laughs> it was hard work, but it was me. I thought this is where I, it's where I needed to be at that point in time. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it was at the end of 2009 um, through a local GP who's also a personal friend. He, he said, I've, I've got a post at my surgery that I think you might be interested in. So I had to think about it and the boys were a little bit older then. Um, and I thought, yeah, do you know what? I, I think I'm going to give this a go and I'm going to get back into something that I don't need to go back and retrain um, in, but I can just take all my skills and knowledge and, um, I can go and work as a, as a healthcare assistant. And, mm. and that's what I did. And I, mm. I stayed there for nearly 10 years until last year when I actually moved to another local surgery mm. um, to the current day. And, and that's yeah. where I am. Yeah, that's terrific. That's terrific. If I may, um, you, you alluded to, um, you know, the pregnancy with your second child. Yeah, yeah. And that was a... Or it has been a very difficult part of your life. Can you just tell us a bit about that? Please? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was what you call one of those life changes, Terry. So, as I said, um, 
yeah, I just moved down. We we were we were at Great Bromley, and um, it's like anywhere you come to a new area, so you don't you don't know anybody. Um, Benjamin was sixteen months old, so I had him as a as a toddler. He wasn't walking. His uh, progress was was he was a placid sort of little chap, but there was lots of things he wasn't doing. And yeah, so as I said, I was I was suddenly expecting our second child. Everything was new. I didn't know the area. Um, the pregnancy wasn't going well and we knew potentially there was problems with mm. either her or myself um mm. and basically uh in the summer of 1996 july 96 i went into very premature labor with her mm. so i was 27 weeks so mm. it was a massive shock and she wasn't due until the october yeah um and again um i went to the maternity hospital mm. where i was working i was i'd been delivering babies just that week before and you know here i was having my own baby albeit very very early um and i even had shifts booked for that week that you know i then couldn't couldn't do so it was it was it was massive and um yeah so she was born and she you know i had great support from from janet on the maternity and people and yeah, it was a tough time. I mean, she had to go to Harlow and she was in the neonatal intensive care, which was a really tough time. Benjamin yeah. had to go home to my mum and dad because Graham and I lived on the unit in, in the neonatal unit in the parents room for, for the whole two weeks. And yeah, we nursed her and cherished her. And yeah, she she survived just a couple of weeks. And um, yeah. It was a, yeah. it was a, it was a tough time, and people were like, "Well, it, how can it happen to Jill?" You know, mm. she, she looks after those, yeah, yeah. That it happens to them, and now it's happened to her. But mm. I've always felt that there's a, a bigger part to that. God's mm. plan for um, mm. you know, perhaps helping other people. Mm. I'd say watch this space because I've just been starting to look all these years on about how I can perhaps help other people mm. um, with Brilliant. COVID being a little bit on hold but mm. I've never felt that that situation you know she can't have been born just for no reason um, when she was born they said that she was the only one of her kind that had actually survived to that gestation really really they, yeah they, mm. she had a chromosomal syndrome and they knew nothing about it so mm. I always felt wow what a blessing to have had her for two weeks because yeah. mainly they told me that you know i i should or would have miscarried her very early but mm -hmm. here was this child and yeah. you know it yeah. was just it was hard but it was it was a, a blessing as well and it's yeah. it's you know it has a huge impact on your life absolutely and what did you name her what name did you give to her so she was she was named abigail, abigail. so we, okay. we call her abby for short i mean the house is also named after her oh um, lovely well, she was Abigail May and, and she was born on the 23rd. And when we moved into the house we're in now, it was number 23. And I said to Graham, we're going to call her. We're going to call mm. this house Abby May after our little girl. And oh, he said, what do you think? And I said, yeah, yeah for sure. So, yeah. <laughs> Good. That's great. Um, and it, it must have been, well, I don't know. You're both professionally a midwife and, and a mother, then yeah. sort of trying for more children did that take a bit of courage a bit of 
hold your breath or was it okay when you know because you had then tom didn't you yeah do you know what terry it really wasn't i had i had abigail in the july she was due in the october and um the house we rented basically uh, got sold um, while we were in the neonatal intensive care. So uh, another period in our lives, we had to go home to our, our various parents for, for about, uh, I think it was a, um, about six, seven weeks, which was pretty tough. Mm. And in that time, I was obviously a, a grieving, a, you know, and um, but mm. thankfully, God blessed us. And we moved into the current house that we're in now um, at Christmas 1996. And yeah i'd always felt that you know although this terrible thing you know this tragedy had happened it i it it didn't stop me from thinking you know i i i need to you know still have more children yeah. i know some people wait a long time but yeah. and obviously i didn't know how long it would be until another um, child came along but they say new house new baby and as soon as I moved in Thomas was born nine months later yes, so um, yeah and that was um, again that was a tough time because I'd had two pregnancies within just over a year and two babies and it was mm. yeah it, it mm. everything happened very quickly um, yeah. You know thomas was a lively baby really and it was it was lovely to have him around <laughs> and he was he yeah it was a it suddenly life became really busy with 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 the um two of them at that at that yeah. point so and then you yeah. had another didn't you i did we waited a little while and then um and then joseph came along in 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 2001 which yeah i'm That's great. really i've always been mindful of how blessed I've yeah. been to have children. I, I I've worked with so many people that haven't been able to have children at all. So yeah, they, they are a blessing to me, my my boys. Yeah, you're surrounded by men. <laughs> I I really am, <laughs> but I I still say I'm the boss, Terry. <laughs> yes. Now, um, you, we talked about um your upbringing and the Christian faith. Um, yeah. You were yeah. you were was it Athorn Baptist Church that you grew up in? yeah i was so yeah i was i was brought up in a in a christian family um but as they say and as you know that doesn't make you a christian um my parents um had uh they they were superintendents of of some little churches in in villages and you know life was busy for us on a sunday we we went to three or four services depending what time of the year it was and um my parents, my, my dad had a, a Methodist URC background mm. and my mum Baptist. So we had um, two or three little different churches that they were superintendents of and that, that were family run. Um, so growing up, you know, the, we, yeah, we were taught to keep the Sabbath holy. We, we, well, we didn't have time for much else because we were always in and out of church <laughs> services. So it was lovely. Um, and yeah, and you know, I, 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 I as I say, I, I, I grew up going to, um, to church and uh, the, the church that my parents still worship at, my mum's been a member there 70 years. That was where um, I became a Christian and it was where um, I was baptized. So I became a Christian through um, the Athorn holiday summer camp yeah. And yeah. They used to have a holiday club every year. Oh, yeah. Which I was, you know, 
the parents were a big part of as well and um mm. yeah i became a christian when i was a, a little girl of eight years old mm. um and then i was baptized um in 1982 when i was 15 but Great. church yeah church has always been a you know yeah. a huge huge part of of my life really yeah, yeah. and your so, faith um just listening to you through this conversation it's it's yeah. it's kind of been a very natural but central part of your life yeah. uh, in you know in your marriage and in the birth of your children in the sadness yeah. of losing abby you've sensed god with you through this life's journey how, how oh, would you put that time. into words yeah all the time um i can't imagine especially when i lost abigail i always said i cannot imagine how people mm. that have little or no faith cope with these sorts of situations in life mm. you know mm. you you have good things happen you have tragic things happen but my faith has, has always been the linchpin of everything because you know you become a christian at eight years old you're you're immature you're young um and you know the christian life is a journey and you walk with jesus every day i mean you know people yes i became a christian at eight but people talk about this baptism of fire when you're really young you're you're just you, you learn to that relationship with Jesus grows and you learn to love God and you know you rededicate your life along life's way and you yeah it's just a it's just a constant walk with Jesus really I'm always having little you know chats and conversations with That's him great. That's when great. you live in a household full of men Terry you you do suddenly <laughs> quickly sus that they can shut off pretty quickly or only <laughs> yeah. listen to half of what you're saying so um, yeah, <laughs> true. I know, yeah I know Jesus is going to listen to my prayers and he's going to have my whole best interest at heart and yeah he's not going to switch off halfway through so That's my fantastic. life has, has really been a constant throughout you know yeah um our senior minister Cole uh, recently gave you a verse didn't he because he did he did tell us about that well, that came about, and, and as we know, the May focus became essential to Psalm 91. And um, yeah, it was it was one Sunday evening, and um, my colleague a few days previous had sort of talked about um, whether we as healthcare assistants were going to wear our a filter masks, whether they were going to be the paper ones, and all the other staff had really good masks. And yeah, I think for that, for the first time I got a little bit scared and I was like, well, I'm not sure how I'm feeling about work tomorrow. And I'm, I'm really quite scared mm. about going in, which was really unusual and I hadn't felt like it before. So mm. I just happened to be on Facebook and I mentioned to Terry, uh, uh, to, sorry, to Cole, that I was feeling a bit apprehensive about going and he was wonderful. And he came back with this beautiful, um, just calm sort of sense of, you know, Jill, read Psalm 91 tonight before you go to bed. It was it was quite late. And um, and he said, you know, don't let the devil um, undermine and f give you fear and doubts, because that's what he do when you're most scared. And, and I thought, yeah, that's he's he's right. So I trotted off to, to the bedroom, got the Bible um, out and yeah and, and read Psalm 91. And I, I, I wept when I read that Psalm oh, because I. Yeah. I felt a sense of perhaps shame that I'd not trusted God in that instant, but I knew he knows mm. our frailties as humans. Um, and that psalm I now have printed out and it's on the wall in my in my room uh, at work. And yeah, I focus on that. I oh, that's great. 
Um, yeah. It is. One verse, I think, if I was to uh, read one verse out um, from Psalm 91, it would be verse 14. It says, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. And I thought that was fantastic because I love you, Lord. You're going to look after me. You're, mm. you're not going to let me come to any harm. Mm. Um, and I went to work that next day feeling really at peace and at calm with, with, with That's the That's terrific. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was, that was, that was wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. How, um, how long have you been associated with Colchester Baptist Church? How did that come about? Yeah, so um, we've been members for 23 years now. So we became members in um, March 1997. Um, if we wind back a, a year before that, as I said, we, we moved down just at the beginning of 1996. And mm. I'd, I'd been a member at Mansfield uh, Baptist Church. Graham actually hadn't, but we, we worshipped there every week. Mm. And um, yeah, we, we, we wanted to find a, a local Baptist church and we, you know, Popped into Colchester and I think one day in the week we'd had a little look there's the Baptist Church we'd found out where you were um, it was quite funny because the, it was it was winter it was January the notice board said morning worship 10 o'clock and we <laughs> hadn't realized and wouldn't have known that the um, the notice board times hadn't been changed so we trotted turned up about quarter to ten in the morning thinking where is everybody <laughs> and, uh, we were met by um, yeah a lovely person at the door I'm trying to think who now but uh, and that that was our association and love and and we we started coming to the to the church services and yeah we felt really at home and um great great been with you ever since terrific now then we're going to go to a fun quiz aren't we the quick fire quiz you're gonna you're gonna win nothing but it's a bit of fun <laughs> and um Actually, for listeners, um, Gillian's really been getting very tech-savvy um, lately. Our sons have been getting her on to all sorts of social media. And um, so well done, Gillian. That's great. Thank you. So um, Facebook or Instagram, which do you prefer? It would have to be Facebook. I don't really know much about Instagram, so okay. um, it cool. would be Facebook. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I know the answer to this, but are you a city or country girl? Well, yes, you do know. It's, it's got to be a country girl every time. <laughs> yes, yes yeah. yeah. Do you prefer reading or television? Yeah, I had to think about this one, Terry, because I am reading a lot more, but I probably, over the years, have watched more TV. But, I, yeah, it's a difficult one. Um, I like what, to... What do you watch? Yeah, um, I like to watch either documentaries or sort of factual programmes. Um, yeah. So something that's true to life, um, yeah. quite okay. like true, true life sort of crime as well. And, and okay. you know, that sort of thing. But yeah. If we think of the four Gospels uh, in the New Testament, uh, do you prefer Luke or John's Gospel? Well, for me, it's a no brainer, Terry, because I studied St. John um, for A-level and the epistles of, of John. Oh, so thank you. I did. I that took two years. We analysed everything verse by verse, and oh, such a powerful book! I yeah. mean, it's it's amazing. Um, yeah. Not to say that I don't, you know, uh, like the other gospels, but there's there's something about John's gospel that sets it apart, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> 
A roast beef dinner or a Chinese meal? Again, it was an easy one, Terry. Um, the roast beef dinner, that was the first meal that Graham and I had as a husband and wife. That was our wedding reception meal. So I think he'd probably be a bit uh, unhappy if I didn't, if I didn't say uh, roast beef. But yeah, <laughs> we're quite a traditional... We're a traditional um, sort of meat and two veg family anyway. Graham's not so okay. keen on Chinese. Um, I don't mind it, but yeah, ro roast beef every okay. time. That's good to know. In <laughs> terms of your daily sort of prayer and reading, do you prefer to do that in the morning or in the evening? For me, it's, yeah, it's more in the morning. I'm quite an early bird. So um, I've got my bible beside my bed and i've also got daily lights so i tend to read that just before i go to work um but i you know as i said before i'm i'm you know i'm always having little conversations with god during the day as as, as we go along but yeah i'd definitely say i'm probably more of a morning person that's good and in terms of bible translations do you prefer the new international version or the message well, the book I've got, the Bible I've got by my bed is NIV. So I think I would, I would yep. say NIV, but Same. I do, um, I do often go on the internet and have a look at the message translations because I, I love the, the modern yeah. translation. It just puts everything into that, you know, mm. into the modern phrases. So yeah, but I, as a rule, I would read the NIV. That's great. Now to hymns, if I were asking you to choose between these two in Christ alone, or how great thou art, what would you choose? Again, a really tricky one because I was brought up with the real traditional hymns, which I really, really love. But there's something about In Christ Alone that yeah. is just, yeah, I just absolutely love it. So for that reason, I, I would just, that would get pipped, I think. I'd just say um, In Christ Alone. That's great. And in terms of the Testaments in the Bible, do you lean more to the Old Testament, like Psalms and other books, prophets, or do you prefer the New Testament? Well, having studied the Old Testament at, ho at school as well, um, yeah, I definitely prefer the New Testament. Yeah. It's just that, I don't know, feeling of personal relationship with God. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. Old Testament... I did find quite heavy going. I did st study sort of Samuel Kings, the prophets, uh, Hosea, Micah, Michael, um, Micah. But yeah, I think I think for me certainly the New yeah. Testament would that's would, great uh, would be for me. Okay, very important question here now: uh, Coronation Street or EastEnders? <laughs> I think you know this one, Terry. But yeah, the only soap I actually watch is, and I've watched. For years is Coronation Street, so okay. I don't want any others. So it would have to be Coronation Street. Okay, cool. Um, chocolate or salad? <laughs> wow, I found this one really challenging. <laughs> I do because I've got a savoury tooth and not a particularly a sweet tooth. Now, if you'd said to me chocolate or crisps or chocolate or cheese and crackers, I'd, I'd yeah, I'd go for the crisps or the crackers, but. Yeah, a bit of a challenge with salad, but I do still <laughs> prefer my healthy food. I, I am a bit of a healthcare advisor as well, and I have to practice what I preach. And Good. I, do like, I, do, I do like my salad, so I'm going to say salad. Well I done. I'm proud of you. Thank okay. you. Okay. And uh, the phrase your family knows <laughs> know you for, what do you say? 
Yeah, well, I say various things and, and not, I can't think of various things that spring to mind, but I do, I, I often say, I'm just saying, which my youngest son particularly says, oh, mum, you're always saying that. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm just saying. And it often comes out when we're having sort of lively discussions and debates around the, the dinner table. But I'll perhaps have to try saying it a little bit less. <laughs> And uh, let's move on in terms of how you relax and hobbies that you have. Tell us about those. Yeah, so um, I've always liked cycling, so I've got a bicycle, and um, I don't really, I don't cycle now because uh, I can I can walk to work. But uh, I've always liked going out on my bike, so I, I tend to still um, try and go out on um, you know little little cycle rides around the countryside. Um, I love my garden. I like pottering around. Um, I am the resident gardener. The others don't tend to do it. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually beavering away. I like yeah. to do a little bit of cooking. Yeah, I like to experiment with a few um, different recipes. Um, I like listening to choral music. I love, oh, okay. um, yeah, I love the sort of, you know, Handel, Bach, that sort of era. I used to sing in a choral society in London. Really? So I did. So I find it really relaxing just listening to, any classical music really but particularly sort of early music mm -hmm. my boys always joke and say anything that's 400 plus years old mum likes but yeah I do like I do like relaxing to um and I like doing jigsaw puzzles as well oh you're patient as well well done I try to be I've I've, I've done about 16 in the lockdown with Graham we've, we've wow. yeah yeah wow. about most of them a thousand some 500s but some are about a thousand most are a thousand pieces so we've are really you framing any of these are you keeping no we yeah no we haven't framed any but you know terry there's some that i haven't done for years that are so beautiful and colorful and i said mm. to graham you ought to it's tempting to thinking about framing some of them but no we haven't 16 well done Gosh. yeah thereabouts <laughs> As a church, we've been doing a lot of um, online services. And as we said earlier, you are now getting very tech savvy. Um, what do you think as a Christian community we can learn and take forward from using these digital online services for the future? What's your view on that? Yeah, well, I mean, what an amazing opportunity to reach out to the community, Terry. I mean, obviously, we're used to go, many of us are just used to going into a church building and worshiping on, on Sunday in a, in a church. But um, the fact that we now are online and we're reaching out to people across the nation, across the world is, is a fantastic way to witness, isn't it? I mean, it's just that wonderful opportunity that we can help bring in, you know, people to Christ. You know, there's a lot of people that are on the fringes of their faith or perhaps don't have any faith at all. And they're, they'd be looking at our services and sort of, you know, seeing what we've got to offer and what, what's the meaning of life and how, how, how through this pandemic, you know, what's it all about? So yeah. I think during this crisis, you know, this is God's way of, of saying, you mm. know, pause, relax, you know, the world's gone on, you know, on hold a little bit. And I think it's just such a marvelous way of, uh, of, yeah, reaching out to, to people that otherwise wouldn't think about um, the Christian faith at all. So, yeah. and, I, yeah. and I'm hoping that when we at some point get back to church ourselves, that possibly the online services will mm. carry on in some capacity, because I think it's really important that, yeah. that we still are reaching out to people. Absolutely. And then in your um, 
professional role. How do you think coronavirus may change us as a people, as a society for the better? So I think from a work point of view and from society in general, Terry, um, you know, I'm hoping that it's, it's uh, given us more time to, to think about what our priorities are in life, you know, what's important, you know, how much time do we spend with family, how much do we value like people's opinions and, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of sort of selfishness out there in society and me, me, isn't it? And uh, I think hopefully, you know, it, it will it will bring society together thinking more about how we can help and, you know, all the wonderful acts of kindness that we've, we've seen come out of all this. Mm. I'm just hoping that it's making people stop and think, mm. um, you know, for, for the for the common good, really. That's great. That's great. Now, the final question I've got, which I've asked every person I've talked to is, have you got a word of encouragement? Have you got something to say to us as Christians, as other people in the world today and for the next generation, for the church? What would you say to us to encourage us? Yeah, I mean, I know that people have been obviously looking at our, you know, listening into our, our online services. And I'd, I'd just like to encourage people again, if, they're, if, they're, if they've been thinking about their faith and if, you know, if they feel that God is, is speaking to them in any way to, to really, um, you know, try and find a church, make contact, you know, we've, with today's technology there's always a website usually or you know ministers contact names and if you you know if you feel that god's really speaking to you um you know seek a church out um mm. and yeah it's really important i think this again is a is a, is a wonderful opportunity for, for people to to uh, come to christ and i think also for you know for our fellow christian friends at, at out lane you know let's let's take these sort of un, you know unprecedented times to you know really um let's reach out to those that don't know jesus obviously our, our statement um, mission statement at, at cb culture baptist is to you know to go out and preach the gospel and to to bring people in and for, for jesus and I'm, I'm you know i think this is is a really great opportunity to uh you know to be able to do this yeah. so that people can see what a, a wonderful god we serve absolutely i think church. you're right this is an opportune time to share the hope we have isn't it and um, yeah it is yeah jillian it's been an absolute delight to talk to you um Thank i you. can i can see um i can see why god has called you into nursing your warmth oh. your uh, you're very engaging and caring and thoughtful, and um, and it's it's a joy knowing you and your and Graham and your family. Um, uh, we feel so blessed to have you among us. So thank you for sharing all of this with us today, and um, and wish you God's strength and peace as you go forward in all that you do. Thank you so Thanks. much. Thanks, Terry. It's been a delight and a privilege that you've asked me to, to have the interview with you. It's, it's been lovely. God bless, Terry. Thank you. Thank you.